Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Inside the Mind of Miles. We know how good this podcast is. Perhaps the greatest in the history of the world, of mankind ever. And the reason is because we have Mike Boynton of Oklahoma State basketball. He's got Pistol Pete with him. He's got the whole thing. Got Kate Cunningham with him, more importantly. He's got a whole bunch of things going on. Coacher, four straight years here. You've been a head coach. It's just flown by, hasn't it? How's it been being the head coach at Oklahoma State? And I think even Pistol Pete would say that Kate Cunningham is a little bit more important than he is for <laughs> us right now. Pistol's no dummy. He's no dummy. It's been awesome. It's been awesome. I've, uh, I've had a lot of fun. There's been some challenges for sure. Uh, but I'm really excited and thankful for this opportunity. And, um, you know, going through COVID this season has certainly created some new challenges. But our kids have been resilient and uh, really pushed forward. We've only really had one disruption. Um, and, and we're back on track. So just moving forward. Tell me about COVID. How, how are you handling the kids mentally? And with all the, you know, I've heard a lot of coaches, I had Porter Moser on, and he says, you know, flexibility, patience, all the, you know, how are you handling your guys? Certainly those are some elements you're dealing with, but, you know, what are you trying to do directly to keep these guys in a good spot? Because this is hard to do, you know, uh, college students well, by know. history aren't made to self-isolate and no, as you know, and, and the relationship aspect, the communication aspect of this thing is so vitally important. And you got to have good, good, um, good communication with these kids constantly because there's a vacuum now created because we're not allowed to spend as much time with them um, of noise that they can be uh, inundated with. And, you know, just trying to be flexible, like he's like Coach Moses said, is no question uh, because you got to just Every day, you're holding your breath as you get test results back. Who do you have to practice? Who can travel? Who's going to play? Are you going to play? Does the other team have enough guys to play? Yeah. Are the officials okay? I mean, wow. it's, it's all of it. So um, it's been a great challenge, but, but certainly like everything else, the kids are more resilient than the coaches sometimes. Yeah. We get so caught up in our routines, how we like things to be. We want to eat at a certain time. We want to yeah. practice at a certain time. Yeah, You know, we want to show up to the arena at a certain time and – you know, this year, the, the, being nimble, being flexible and agile, if you don't do that, you got no shot. Nimble is a good way to say it. Um, you know, uh, when I think of Oklahoma State basketball or Mike Boynton, you know, the first thing I think of is all the cool recruiting stuff you do on social media. I mean, you are a killer on social media with, with is, is this your idea? Do you have a, your, is it your marketing guy? Talk to us about cowboy basketball and it's social because folks if you haven't seen it like when mike will get a commitment or sometimes or whatever it might be i mean you've been doing this for a while now since you got the job and i know brad underwood who you succeeded didn't have these ideas because he <laughs> struggles turning on the phone yeah i worked i worked with brad for four years uh we, we weren't as creative in this aspect of things but we've got a really good team here uh really good um communications and marketing team my staff's really good and, and what they know is as a young guy, I'm pretty open to different ideas. Yeah. Uh, so they bring me some things sometimes that I'm I'm a little hesitant about, but I feel like if it's going to help us get an edge, I'm okay with the discomfort. The only one I've ever turned down was my SID had this great idea of me doing a backflip into my pool. <laughs> and um, first of all, I don't backflip. Yeah, okay. There's minor <laughs> details. <laughs> so that one was kind of off. Um, and so other than that, you know, whether we're driving up on a car or whether we're going to put some cool video out, 
Um, I'm usually open to it all. We like to have fun with it, man. This is a hard job, a hard profession. Oh. You got to enjoy it. You got to enjoy the moments that you get to, to have success. You got to celebrate those successes, small or great. And uh, you got to not be able to take yourself too seriously. I think you've done a great job of that as you were. Well, I was just thinking, you made me think back to uh, Ben Chulik, who was at Arizona most recently, and he was our marketing guy. And he's like, coach, we got to have you on social media. And I'm like, hey, I'm one of 13 kids in my high school class. Okay. I'm not a Bronx <laughs> kid, you know, uh, you know, that had, uh, you know, a nice big, uh, you know, whole bunch of, I said, I know where they're all are. If I want to talk to them, I'll talk. Like, I mean, I don't need to be on social media, to keep track of people. So they're like, well, pick one. Uh, either Facebook or Twitter, and we want to kind of design this Coach Miles thing. So at the time, remember, it was 140 characters. Well, I thought yeah. you could only do 140 characters for the day. Like, you just got 140. <laughs> so like, if you did 40, then you had 100 if you wanted to tweet again. Like, I left. Yeah. No. So, so well, I'm like, tweet. The all-time great thing I've ever saw was your, your, your in-game tweeting game was pretty good. So I'm not sure that, I could do that. And then they, they convinced <laughs> me to do that the halftime tweet thing. And the only time I got in trouble, really, well, first of all, if you lose, you're always in trouble, right? But the one time we were playing at Air Force and we needed to win this game and we weren't. Absolutely. Yeah, and so we're like, we're 11 of 13 on twos and one of 13 on threes at halftime. So wow. I'm walking out and the SID's got my account and he's walking with me, he goes, coach, um, Hey, we got to send a tweet. I'm like, well, isn't it obvious? We got to shoot more threes. And just being completely sarcastic, right? And one thing I realized early, sarcasm doesn't always play that well. There's no room for sarcasm on social media. <laughs> oh, yeah. But we did a season ticket thing where um, around Twitter, that everything was Twitter. And it was our biggest season ticket uh, drive that they'd, they'd ever had. You know, and it was, you know, this is 2010, 11, stuff like that. So, sure. yeah, we were we were doing it. But you you do a marvelous job. And, you know, people don't realize how important social media is to recruiting. You know, you, and you know this. I talked to a kid we had committed when I was still the coach at Nebraska said, hey, uh, X, did you see his play the other day or last night? Um, yeah. God, you guys were good. Yeah. I'm like, man, did you see that? You know, whatever play in the what it was. No, no, I just watch Instagram highlights, right? That, that was watching the game, right? That was watching the game. That's watching the game. It's, it's different. Your kids are so inundated with social media. They are missing out on a lot of things that's going on. And through the pandemic, we, as the adults in their lives, have made it worse because yes. we've, we've told them. You know, we always talked about, I think, for the last 10 or 15 years, kids are so too antisocial, right? They don't, they don't hang out with people enough. They don't talk face-to-face. -face. They don't know how to have conversation. Yeah. But for the last year now going on, we've told them, don't be social. Don't <laughs> yeah. socialize at all. Yeah. Stay away Stay from away. as many people as you can. <laughs> Just go get your phone or your video game and lock yourself in the room yeah. and don't see anybody. Don't talk to yeah. So Yeah, all that other stuff we told you about forever, it doesn't <laughs> exist. I found out last night my son's on Reddit. I'm like, what? How did you get on Reddit? Like, what are you doing? You're 16. Like, who knows with the, I mean. Hey, that, 
He's doing chores. He's got to find a way to, to, to uh, yeah. turn Yeah. Well, he's yelling at me for not buying GameStop. I tell you that. So um, he claims he told me to. Yeah, right. So uh, what what do you use all mediums when you like? So when you're talking with recruits nowadays, the one thing I found very interesting in the last five or six years, which was, you know, I used to just call kids and, or, or text or whatever. Well, then, I mean, it's like, no, you got to FaceTime. You got to FaceTime. And then it's no, you got to hit them on IG or you got to hit on Instagram or you got to hit them on Snapchat. And I'm like, now, come on. Like, you know, I'm 50 at that time. <laughs> like, just give me one or two. Yeah. Are you using every medium known to man or how are you doing it? I'm not. I actually fought this. I fought the social media deal for a while myself and uh, got on Twitter, I think in 09. Um, and that was good for me. I never really did Facebook. Uh, Twitter, I got really comfortable with because I could kind of keep up with the news and what was yeah. going on. Then I kind of lost my taste for that because it became like this. Who's got the most offer announcements on Twitter oh. today? <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag blessed. And I literally just got in, I just got into Instagram this summer um, because of the pandemic and not being able to go see people. And, you know, they, my staff's like, hey, man, all the kids are on Instagram. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, I'll get on it. I didn't know until this past weekend that I hadn't been doing Instagram right. I'm not cropping my pictures the right way. You know? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. What's going on? Literally, I've had people in my uh, replies and say, Coach, we can help you with this. Like, like it's like <laughs> we can help you with this. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? I don't know. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. So I just started Instagram this summer too. Coach, Coach Miles, mm -hmm. right? Coach Tim Miles, I think this one is. And um, so all of a sudden, because you know we have different music and different things that go on with this podcast, and I post them on Instagram, I get a a direct message. You violated several copyright rules. Just type in your password right here. Oh, so guess what old dumb Timmy does? Just types it in there. Here it is. Now my account is in Council Bluffs, Omaha, used by an iPhone. So I finally went on Twitter and say, hey, the guy who hacked my Instagram account, could you please log out so I can change the password? You know, I mean, like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. That's but awesome. that Instagram is, is the spot. There's no doubt. Coacher, um, t t tell me just... So you grew up a guy in Bronx and you go down to South Carolina. Now you went to play for Eddie Fogler. Yeah. So I'm, I'm from Brooklyn. Um, yep. I'm yeah, sorry. Bro oh, 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 I'm sorry. That's like yeah, saying territorial, yeah. territorial here. Yeah. I try to stay away from the tribalism, but it's a big deal to be from Brooklyn. So I hear you. I want to make I'm sure. With I, it. I, yeah. <laughs> I, um, yeah. Coach Fogler, who's from Queens actually recruited me and, um, he coached me only during my freshman year. And I joke with him today that I drove him into retirement because <laughs> uh, he hasn't coached since. One of my great mentors, though. We He's a good man. Really, really close. And then I played for Dave Odom. I played for Coach Odom for three years. Yep. And uh, it was a great experience for me. I'm really thankful for both of them. They both have had profound impact on me as a coach and as a father and husband. Hey, was Travis Kraft with you guys your freshman year? Or did he just transfer? Yes, yeah, so Travis Kraft. Nope, I played with Travis Kraft during my freshman year. In fact, my first ever SEC game, Travis Kraft made a buzzing buzzer-beating three in. to beat Florida on the side side out. Then took the ball out. He hadn't played, he had not played the whole game. 
Yeah. Coach Fogler puts him in to inbound the ball. Two guys go. They throw it back to him. He makes a three right in front of our bench. It was the first pile on I was a part of. So Travis transferred to me at North Dakota State after this. All right. So I said, Travis, tell me about that shot you hit against Florida. You know, I mean, he goes, I said, what were you thinking? Like, you hadn't played all this? He said, Coach, all I could think of is when I took my warm-up off, did I wear my jersey? Like, I hope I have my jersey. Because some games I hadn't worn my jersey. So I was just, you know, dressed down. And he goes, all I could think of when I'm going to the table is, God, I hope my jersey's on. He looks down, it was on. And then he just, whoop. Wins the game over nationally ranked four. How great was that? So, so Coach Odom. I thought I thought he would tell you. I thought he would tell you if they throw this ball to me, I'm shooting it because oh, he had was, never no, met a no, shot. No. That, that was a foregone conclusion, my man. He was shooting that thing. Touch leather, let it go, right? Touch leather. So, so right. good player, at South Carolina. You were and uh, and two great mentors, like you said, Dave Odom and. I remember Dave. So folks, this is a story. So in the future, uh, uh, Mike is at Coastal Carolina. He'd been at Furman. Nico Medved was Medved was the assistant at Furman. And I was going to potentially take University of North Carolina at Wilmington. Okay. Very desirable job. It was Brad Brownell had been there and, and Jerry Wainwright previously. Nico was talking to Mike for me and I was going to bring Craig Smith. So we had Nico, Craig and Mike as our staff and, and I, I would have been really, really, really excited about that, you know, and um, it was it was one of those things, you know, as we go that um, Mike and I hadn't really met each other yet, but we're maneuvering and, and you're at Coastal with Buzz Peterson at the time. And, um, you know, when you do it and, and I had talked. So the point was I had talked to Dave Odom about taking the North Carolina uh, Wilmington job and he says, well, Tim, you know, I don't know you that well, but I know one thing, you're not as good a coach as Brad Brownell. <laughs> he says, if you think you're going to go out and do him, you're nuts. <laughs> and for all yeah, good uh, reason, it didn't happen. And everybody ended up landing on their feet, but, but man, that would have been a lot of fun. And you just think that would have been like 2005 or six or seven, somewhere in there. And um, it's probably best for your career that you didn't get a chance to work with me. But so you're kind of getting my career up. Yeah, so you're at Furman Coastal. Tell me about that track as an assistant coach. Yeah, so after I got done playing, like all players, I was was dead set on, I'm going to go play. I'm going to go play professionally. And um, I wasn't good enough first, right? But then I also hurt my knee, which made me worthless to anybody who was going to pay somebody to play basketball. Yeah, so yeah. Coach Odom, Coach Odom's at, in Columbia at the time, and I talked to Coach Fogel, and they're both like, you know, I think you should get into coaching. I wasn't thinking about coaching, but both of them told me that I should. And I'm thinking to myself, these guys are crazy. I don't want to coach basketball. I'm Do they know years me? Old. Like, I should, be I should be playing still. But long story short, Larry Davis, who's the head coach at Furman, had just lost a GA, a guy named J.D. Powell, who works at Charleston now. And uh, Larry Davis had worked for Coach Odom at Wake Forest. Oh, yeah. And then he went to work so for Clemson. he says, yeah, so I know this guy who's looking for a GA. It'd be a good way to get your career started. I'm thinking to myself, first of all, I don't really want to coach. I certainly don't want to go coach at Furman. I didn't know. <laughs> the hedges are trimmed perfectly at Furman. I go up there. 
absolutely. So I go up there to, to talk to Coach Davis about a GA spot now. This is about like grad assistant. And I, I still remember to the day him telling me, here's what the expectations are. You show up and you work as hard as you can. You know, show up before the coaches. You stay afterwards. If I ever hear that you're loyal, you're, you're being disloyal, I'm going to have your office unpacked so fast you won't know what hit you. And I'm really excited now to go work for him. <laughs> now <laughs> so, I remember why I don't want to do this. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I go take the job, and I'm there. We have some success. And Buzz Peterson, who had coached at Tennessee but played himself at North Carolina for Coach Fogler, gets fired at Tennessee. And he's going to take the Coastal Carolina job. That's right. And I eventually get hooked up with him. I go to Coastal Carolina. I don't know what I'm doing. And uh, he sends me on the road, says, hey, go help us find some players. So I started recruiting then, tried to work at it. Meanwhile, tried to develop relationships with the guys. And uh, I was there for two years with Buzz. And then Buzz got the itch to go work in the NBA. With Michael. Buzz is best friend. Yeah. And uh, there you go. Here, here I am learning the business of college basketball. If Buzz had gotten another college job, I feel comfortable that maybe he would have taken me on a staff. But there was no job for a 23-year-old in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Cliff Ellis comes in and, and, and Mike Young, who at Wofford uh, I had played against when I was at South Carolina, had an opening on his staff. And so I go work for, for Mike, but in the interim, I, I got to know a guy, Tim Miles, through Nico Medved, yep. was interested in a Wilmington job. And I always loved Wilmington, North Carolina, because it was just up the road from Coastal. It was still on, on the beach and all that stuff, and just didn't work out, unfortunately. But I know you were putting, the hell of, putting together a rock star staff with we Craig Smith and Nico Medved, two of the all-time great guys. We were trying. Um, but I go to Wofford for you. I go to Wofford for a year. Mike Young's the head coach, and I have a great experience there. In fact, it was Steph Curry's sophomore year at Davidson when I was working for Same Mike league. Young at Wofford. Same league back then. Same league. I had, the, I had the Davidson scout. And Mike Young and I laugh about this to this day, but we had convinced ourselves by the third time, this is in the conference tournament, that we had it figured out. We had the game plan to stop Steph Curry. And 35 points later, our season was over, and he was heading on to the Elite Eight with Davidson. <laughs> and they almost made it further than that. Oh, my God. So yeah. um, can, I, can I ask you just the secret sauce? What was the way to stop him that he only got 35 on you? Were you forcing him left or well, something crazy? Um, <laughs> they were up 25, and Bob McKillop wanted to rest him for the <laughs> semifinal game of the conference tournament. I think that's how we held Jimmer for debt to 40 one time when I was at Colorado State. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Here's the best part, Tim. Here's the best part. The next year, I leave Mike Young's staff and go back to my alma mater. I'm working for Darren Horn at South Carolina. Oh, yeah. We have a good year. We actually win the SEC East. They had divisions at the time. But the SEC was down that year because Kentucky was down. You know how that works. Mm -hmm. So Kentucky's down. We beat them twice. We're not good enough to go to the tournament. So we get an NIT bid. That year, Steph came back for his junior year. He's at Davidson, and they don't win their conference tournament. 
So South Carolina and Davidson, about two hours away. You know, they try to get some regional matchups. Yep. We had the kid, Devin Downey, who was the player. I try to spend a full week, because I've already experienced this, trying to convince the kids at South Carolina that this kid, Steph Curry, is going to be the best player on the court. And they're all looking at me like I've got three eyeballs. 38 points later, yeah. the season at South Carolina was over, and Davidson was moving on in the NIT. And you held him You held him to 38 only because it was 15 points, and McKillop wanted to rest him. And they had to go to St. Mary's because they were going to play Patty Mills in, t- in two days, so he wanted to rest him for that game. Yeah, that would have been a fun matchup to watch, huh? Think of that. So, Absolutely. okay, South Carolina, then does Frank come in with you? So Frank comes in after Darren. So, so I was on Darren's staff. Yeah, I was on Darren's staff. We got fired after four years. Just didn't win enough. Frank comes in from K-State. And um, I know Frank. Frank actually coached me at Nike All-American Camp in 1998. Wow. And um, so Frank knew me a little bit, and he knew I had ties to the state. I knew a lot about the recruiting landscape and stuff like that. And, he just didn't have a position on the staff, though, because his whole staff came with him from K-State. That's right. But he did say, you're willing to go in an administrative role. I can help you figure something out. My wife's pregnant at the time, and she's got a pretty good job. And so I stay in Columbia so we don't move. And uh, that's how I met Brad, because he was on Frank's staff. And long story short, Frank doesn't have a great year, but Brad gets the Stephen F. Austin job a year later, and I go with him, and we win a bunch of games, and he leaves to go to a Oklahoma bu- State a bunch? try to get the Stephen F. <laughs> a bunch? Yeah, you, you won about 68 and lost about four. It was quite an experience, I, um, and Brad's a tremendous coach. He, he knows how to you know, make adjustments in-game. And uh, when, when, when Brad left, I thought I was going to become the head coach at Stephen F. Austin. And it's funny how things that you want sometimes work against you in a way that you can't have enough appreciation for later. <laughs> you look pretty Because if I had gotten the Stephen F. Austin job, I wouldn't be the head coach at Oklahoma State right now. I was just going to say, you look a lot better in orange and black than you do purple. So I think you're doing just fine. <laughs> So, so, okay, let's Absolutely. talk about this. Brad leaves after one year and he was a system guy, right? Total system guy. Uh, you know, he's, he's uh, whether it be the force down stuff or the overpressure deny, you know, running the spread offense, the high post, Johnny Orr high post is what I call it. Very popular. Um, uh, so now you've got a, a bit of a conundrum, you know, you decide to run it. And now as you, your recruiting though is getting a little better and a little better and a lot better. I mean, where you're what for in the country nationally, like you, that means just so you know, that means like Michigan's behind you, you know, uh, 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 Kentucky's behind you, you know, UCLA's behind you. I mean, so when you're, when you're the fourth recruiting class in the country at Okie state, Texas is behind, like there are a lot of teams that are, you know, huge that are behind you. So now, you know, how did you decide, a style of play to fit this, these strong recruiting classes? Well, the first thing I had to do to start was I had to, I had to pr- try to prove that I could get kids to buy in 
And you can't do that with a bunch of young guys, but the older guys were already conditioned to play a certain way. And so I had to make some uh, concessions to try to keep our roster together to continue to play the way we had played. And so I did that my first year, but I started to put a plan together and how I wanted it to, how I wanted to play, but you also got to reconstruct the roster to get there. Yeah. And so the first year we didn't change a whole lot and we won. And then you start to have the turnover, but now again, you're doing it with young guys, but now I've got people believing if you got good enough players, you can actually win. So maybe I'll get some time here. <laughs> so the, the, the process of the next few years is now we got to really, really rebuild this roster. Cause if we get good players again, we can play the style we want. And, um, you know, that was three years in the making and that was culminated in last year's recruiting class. And now we're playing a little bit more of a, a ball screen oriented offense, more freedom based. We're pressuring not quite as much, but we're still disruptive. And I, I really like the trajectory we got this program moving in right now. And I agree 100 percent. You talk about buying a uh, uh, talk about GameStop, folks. There he, there he is right there. You know, it's a rising star. It's a meteor. So so. You know, Coach, and I, we're tight on time today because I had some technical difficulties on my end. And But I, I, I do want to talk about Cade Cunningham. I mean, not only is he maybe the best freshman of the year, he might be the player of the year. Tell me about some qualities that make Cade special um, and, and, and what he does and what you've learned from him and what he's learned, you know, uh, as he's gone and played. Because every time I listen to him in an interview, I'm, I'm really struck. He seems to have got tremendous poise and competitive spirit and all the things you want in just a young person. And, and right now, you guys are on a postseason ban or probation, whatever the heck it's called. And you've appealed that. And I know you can't speak to it. But I just want to say, I hope we get to see you guys in the postseason because people want to see the best teams and the best players of no fault of anybody's that we're talking to right now and talking about right now, did some stuff happen that let's, you know, Hey, the, the guys that are punished deserve to be punished did get put. Let's not punish the rest of us. Okay. The, the, let's the Cade Cunningham's of the world, right? Let's see him play in the most magical, you know, event in, in college sports in my mind. So, so that's my diatribe. You don't have to speak to that, but tell me about Cade. Uh, first and foremost, he is a young guy, but he's a young guy with incredible maturity. Um, I haven't seen many guys who are able to put a plan together and be as intentional about it and following that plan because you get distracted, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I tell our team all the time, you, we never start the season planning to be 6-0. and But when you get to 6-0, and you start talking about being 6-0. and Like, that's not part of the plan. Let's not talk about that. Uh, his His ability to be focused on the plan and not deviate from it is pretty, pretty impressive, but he's got humility, incredible work ethic His basketball because of his size IQ and feel are the things that separate him. He can do everything equally well with both hands. Uh, he can defend multiple positions. He's a better shooter than he's ever been given credit for. And the thing that's probably the most impressive is winning is number one on his list. Yeah, you would have an appreciation for it. with a lot of kids winning. They winning matters. I hope we win. But if you ask where where it is, like where's winning on the list? Yeah, it's like if I'm getting the mitts and I'm getting yeah. the shots, minute shots. You're not yelling at me. 
you know, then winning, you know, that's cool too. But like winning is number one for him. And um, I've, I've said this to several of the scouts who called. I, I understand that they're really good players a lot of places. And I'm biased, admittedly so. Don't overthink this one. <laughs> He's the best guy. When it's time, take him. Yeah. You, you know, I think that the, you know, the probation thing came down even before school started. So I got to imagine every school in the country made a run at this kid. So that just tells you about a tremendous amount of integrity. And I know Cannon and his brother is one of your assistants, but Cannon's a good coach anyway. You know, like Cannon's just not Cade's brother. He's a good coach. And he's, and he's, he's been on the circuit. He's got great connections, you know? And, and so it's just not that. And, and to see Cade stick with you, and, and Oklahoma State, um, I just wish fans could come watch and he could feel the appreciation. You know what I mean? Because there's something about when you walk out on that floor, whether it be for a starting lineup or whatever, and you're soaking it in, you know it. I felt it as a coach. <laughs> and, um, but but <laughs> I, I just wish that he had that experience. That's the one thing, all of this, you know, I, I just, I hope we get, you know, needles and arms sooner and sooner and sooner. And we can just slowly open things a little bit um, so he can appreciate that and feel that because he deserves it. No, I, I would totally agree. He's um, he's the type of guy you want to see in college basketball. We need more guys who, cause he's both feet in, you know, they made a, all those schools you talked about, they made a run at him twice. So the first time we had to get <laughs> yeah, him. First time. Yeah. <laughs> So they made a run at him again. Yeah. And they had a little um, and more. He really wanted to be a part. Of it. Absolutely. He that's wanted awesome. to have the college experience. Uh, and so that's the one thing I do feel bad for about for him is that he hasn't really been able to be appreciated and be seen by as many of his classmates on campus. All of it. Uh, because we're limiting. We do have fans, but it's certainly much less than we would in an old year. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, and, and you, we haven't even talked about his G League option that I'm sure he had. You know, uh, a friend of mine was, uh, they were stuck two days playing in a G League operation and the locker rooms were in a trailer house. And he says, uh, go ahead, join the G League. See how that fits you, you know, and then take a water through uh, Iber Gallica yeah. Arena and the practice uh, practice uh, facility in the locker room and then decide where you want to go. But, but coach, I tell you what, um, you're on the right track. You're doing a phenomenal job. I've had a, the pleasure of coaching against you and I know how tough you guys are and how you handle your guys in the preparation. And I've always been impressed. That's one reason I want, you know, not everybody gets to be on them inside the mind of miles. This is a select group, you know? <laughs> and so, uh, I just want you to know, I really appreciate you coming on and taking the time out of your business. You're right in the middle of your conference schedule. You got TCU, you know, uh, just waiting on you. So I appreciate you coming on. I wish you the best of luck. And we got to say that this has really been a pleasure hearing your story today. Well, I appreciate it, Coach, and I uh, look forward to staying in touch. I know you'll be back on the sidelines soon, and I'll be pulling for you. Thank you very much. Folks, Mike Boynton, Inside the Mind of Miles, thanks for joining us. Well, folks, what a fun, fun discussion with Mike Boynton. I'm here with Greg Eaton, my man. How are you doing, Coach E? I'm good, Coach. Got to, you know, oh, just yeah, another year. Just so, another Super Bowl. I, I just have to tell you, Coach, and there's lessons to be learned everywhere you go. And I read three different articles about how humble Tom Brady is. 
you know, maybe a little hum- <laughs> humility wouldn't kill you as a, as a sports fan. You know, I mean, I don't know. Am I out of line here, coach? I mean, you know me, I'm from Boston. So, I mean, there's only so much of, I mean, if it weren't for our state, we wouldn't have a country too. I mean, True. the Boston Tea Party. I mean, the, the first shots at Lexington and Concord. I mean, we, we're and just doing all the weight carrying. It's the mainstay of, of uh, the New England states. So we know this too. So, uh, um, so as we look at this coach, um, uh, I mean, can the old boy do it? Can, can he win another Super Bowl? I, I don't see how there's any way he can do it. I'm just telling you, I'm not being an antagonist. I'd invite you over to my house, but if they got behind, you'd leave. So <laughs> that, that is a true story. So I don't know if you remember it, but if, I so in, in Fort Collins, we had only known each other for like six months, folks. And, so this would have been 11 or 12, 2012, 2012. So they lost to the giants It's the second time they lose to the giants. And with, you know, they're driving and the, the giant score late and I'm pissed. And I just kind of sneak, like I thank Carrie and I, and I just sneak out and I go into the parking lot. You had that grocery store right next, like right outside yeah. your, your neighborhood. And I sat in the parking lot and I'm like, turn the radio up in between plays. And then it, Gronk like drops the last pass. And you, you call me like two minutes later, you go, Hey man, are you okay? Like, are, are, are you okay? <laughs> I've been listening to too many Eminem songs back then about crazy stuff. So I was worried that you're going to do something nuts. Um, yeah, it was, it was uh, yeah, he's not wrong. He's not wrong about that. Yeah, that's classic. That's classic. So, so do you really think, I mean, the chiefs are so good, dude. Um, what do they got to do to win, win the game, win the Super Bowl? I think that the, the bucks got to just dominate the clock as much as they can. If they can keep Mahomes and company off the field and limit their possessions, Brady was sloppy in the second half against the Packers. And if he's like he's that, old. then I think he's old. <laughs> like my I mean, age, he's 42. He's 42. I mean, at least he's got two weeks to recover this time. I mean, that's yeah. the one thing that he's got going for him. <laughs> and their defense has been outstanding Tampa Bay. So should, it should be fun. Yeah. I think it'll be a good game. You know, usually for years I hosted as the coach, I hosted a big Super Bowl uh, um, uh, gathering. Uh, But unfortunately this year we're just kind of watching it. And, uh, you know, I was watching a a game just the other day. I think it was Duke and Miami. And it was just awful. Like nobody there. And the teams kind of were going through the motions it looked like. And, and, uh, a little more fun when the fans are there and when you've got a whole thing going so and when you can get together in groups and watch stuff and hopefully March Madness will treat us a little better than the Super Bowl but it should be a good one yep for sure tell me this how'd you like coach Mike Boynton he he was good I mean he he's a he's he's got a great personality and he definitely lets you see it when he when he's talking um well I, I loved how he talked about all the social media stuff that he's doing yeah and again you know folks like you know, he's done some stuff where he like his phone rings and he gets the call. And uh, I, I forget how they did it exactly, but it was, it was, it, you know, it's like two and a half minutes. And, and usually I captures my attention for about 30 seconds and then I'm gone, you know, onto the next thing. <laughs> and um, but I mean, his stuff is really good. Oklahoma State and, and, and those people in their marketing department or social media have really done an outstanding job. They do some really creative, fun stuff. They, they do a really good job. I mean, I wish we had that kind of talent, you know, w- w- when we were coaching at Colorado State in uh, Nebraska. Yeah, you know, I mean, Kelly Moser, Mo- Kelly Mosier, was that? Mosier. Was that his <laughs> yeah. name, Mosier? Yeah, we just didn't. 
You know, I, you know, I think he's with Huddle or some enterprise like that nowadays. Yep. Yeah, it was just too bad we didn't have the resources at our disposal. <laughs> <laughs> Brett Sapp trying to run the Instagram game stories during the game. He's doing that, trying to hide from the official because it's illegal. Yeah, you can't <laughs> do live video. <laughs> um, no, I, I thought he was really good. I, I, you know, hearing his story coming up as an assistant, you know, that's always, it's yeah. crazy how intertwined everybody is. Even people on our show. Oh I mean, yeah, Mike on the show. Just yeah, last week Mike Young, and here um, Mike Young would have never had him if I hired him at uh, at <laughs> Wilmington. If we go to Wilmington, but it's just amazing how small a world that is, and and how many different people. And um, and so yeah, I remember when old Nico Medved would say, "Hey, this guy Mike Boynton's a young guy. He's pretty good now. I think you're gonna like him." I'm like, uh, "Well, yeah, I want to get to know him. Let's do it." You know, and it was uh, it was fun stuff. But especially when you're moving from Fargo, North Dakota to Wilmington, North Carolina, across the country, you want to make sure that you've got somebody with some local knowledge and, and those two guys would have been great. Yes. Yep. Yep. I mean, Nico was tied in there. I mean, there's just so much overlap. We've had Craig. I mean, you're forming your staff at Wilmington with Craig. It was yeah. just, it's kind of cool. Now, social media wise, I, I, I know you were one of the first people to start tweeting. And when coaches. I was doing, you know, you were one of the first coaches to start tweeting and then I remember applying for the job at Colorado State, talking with you the first couple of times and seeing that you were doing this. And I had Tom Ostrom was like, do you think he's really, do you think he's really, you know, tweeting himself at halftime or, or how's he doing this? You got to figure this out and tell me. And, and Ostrom, obviously, Indiana with Kenya Hunter now. Yeah. And Archie. <laughs> yeah. So I remember I, I used to, you know, only try and tweet good stuff. And one of my favorite tweets were, I like, um, um, my recruits are like zucchini. I like them long, lean, and underrated. And because uh, uh, I saw some somebody in a cooking magazine or something that my wife had had, it said zucchini, um, long, lean, and underrated. And I'm like, that's just like a basketball recruit. I mean, you know. <laughs> so, oh, hang on here, Sammy. Hi, girl. Sammy Cam. Yeah, she she was sacked out when when I was doing the mic interview, and now she's up in Adam. So uh, she must hear your voice and get all riled up, Greg. <laughs> um, you know, a lot going on in college basketball. I mean, what were any any good takeaways from the last week on yeah, your end of things? You know, first of all, I just watched the game again tonight. So we're 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 Monday night here, and uh, Porter Mosier in the Valley, who was again one of our guests earlier. Darren DeVries still undefeated after a, a close one. Um, Porter Moser um, uh, absolutely rolling people. I mean, their team looks so strong and so good. And and so, you know, some, you know, interesting to watch that. Illinois with two very good wins, you know, um, uh, this week uh, in the Big Ten. Uh, you look at the Big 12, we – Oklahoma State had a couple good wins. Oklahoma, three straight wins over top 10 teams. You know, mm -hmm. now they're a top 10 team playing Texas Tech as you and I are working. Um, and uh, Jim Molinari, our former, uh, co uh, our former colleague, is there. Um, and, but but really, I, I don't think we, anybody can get past the fact that we're truly looking at a tournament that might not feature Michigan State, Duke, and Kentucky. I mean, we're looking at a tournament that might not – um, feature three teams you normally see in, in at least the Sweet 16. I was going to say, so uh, our stat man, Griff, um, did a little what? research for me. 
Second lowest point total for Tom Izzo as a head coach. Against, uh, against Rutgers. Um, Rutgers. Yep, so uh, 37. The, the previous one was 36 against Iowa back in 2008. Oh. Oh, so that was, that was a rough one to watch. Yeah. And then, like you said, Duke is 7-6 and six and Kentucky is 5-10. and 10. Well, um, yeah. It'll be an interesting March. So if they had Nebraska across their chest, uh, they're not getting in for sure. I promise you that. Uh, <laughs> well, but, he, he, I mean, Mike's talking about his year when they won the East at South Carolina how about and that? how they didn't get in. Didn't get in. And I mean, it's like finishing fourth in the Big Ten. Yeah, no doubt. I, mean, I remember that. And the national runner-up is your fifth team. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, you know, the, the other thing I think when you look at, you know, Gonz, Gonz, I, the curious thing I'm looking about is, you know, Gonzaga's got an um, open weekend. And they've been talking to Houston, who's playing, you know, so good. And, of course, Baylor mm-hmm. is just doing what Baylor, you know, thought – people thought Baylor were going to – people thought Baylor was going to be this good. And it's kind of fun to see those teams that have been so strong uh, and how they're doing it. Um, I'm really curious to see, uh, listeners, how this shapes up. Who can – you know, is it going to – who is Gonzaga going to end up with? Or will they even play a game? And uh, certainly thought it would have been a, a lot of fun to watch them play Houston. It's mm-hmm. such a good – such a good, you know, physical team. Kelvin Sampson's done an unbelievable job there. And um, it, it'll be, you know, one of those teams you'd think is going to lose, you know, um, eventually. But you never know. You never know. How about if they're on opposite sides of the bracket and they both go like, you know, I don't know, we're, we're a little bit reduced in games, but they, all, they end up 31-0 and 0 against each other in the national championship game. How cool would that be? I mean, be awesome. I'm just saying, just saying. Be a lot of fun. You heard it first here. Yeah. But <laughs> what are you seeing out there in college basketball that you like or uh, piqued your interest? Um, you know, I've actually been on a kick of watching some lower level games, just, you know, some, some, some low majors. Um, so it's kind of crazy watching uh, Boston University because they're requiring the face masks. Oh, when they play, that's right. When they play. So, that, you know, that's an interesting one. Richmond started off hot earlier this year they've kind of you know fizzled a little bit but yep. um you know they've been fun alabama's been fun to watch and obviously they're oh, a top boy, 10 yeah. team um but you know i've been mixing it up and watch a little of uh dorkwin out in uh, northern colorado <laughs> so that's dor dorian green <laughs> my dad who was 90 at the time called him dorkwin or something like that what did he call him dorwin Dorwin, <laughs> which we immediately made Dorkwin because at the time I was only 50 years old. So my maturity level wasn't quite as great as it is now that I've been out of the game for a couple of years. Yeah. It's been, it's fun to watch. I've watched uh, some Patriot league games the other day. Uh, and, um, and I've watched some America East games. My good friend, John Gallagher at Hartford split with Stony Brook mm-hmm. had a great win. And then just, um, uh, and then just didn't come back, but, been a lot of fun, been fun watching those guys. And it's, uh, you know, rarely on a Wednesday did I say, well, I can't wait for the main, the main uh, Hartford game to come on so I can watch. <laughs> but when you don't have a team, man, you start picking your, uh, your buddies and, and rallying around those guys right away. For sure. Yeah. And, and it's fun that you can, that having a little bit more time to watch games. Yeah. No matter the time zone is, is fun for sure. No doubt. Um, well, I'll tell you and, what and I'm know, watching now. You know what I'm watching now, Coach. You know. I I know, and you know, folks. The the, uh, the posters in the background are finally getting to him. He's a uh, 
What are you watching, Coach? You want to let yeah, everybody well, know? Yeah, you're calling me out. I know what you're doing because I could see the the I could see the wheels spinning already, and so I figured <laughs> I'd get in front of the story and try and control the narrative. <laughs> My daughter, sweet Ava Grace Miles, um, uh, had said, you know, hey, let's watch. Um, hey, Ava, what's that? What's that called? That that uh, Wanda? Oh, WandaVision. WandaVision, right? So we watch WandaVision, and I mean, I don't know what the hell's going on, right? Ava, come on in. <laughs> um, so this is live, by the way, on the air. It's live? Yeah. So this Ava, is Ava. come on in. Hey, Ava. Yeah. yeah. So she got me watching WandaVision, and then she said, well, it'll make a lot more sense if you watch, the you watch all of them. The yeah, whole and I'm like, no way. I'm like, you know, oh, this is just overwhelming. So she, Talked me into Iron Man, and then last Good night one. was Iron Man two, and today is um, Thor. well, Thor. Yeah, we're going to New Mexico. Thor is what we're gonna watch, right? Are you going in order, Ava? Is that is that yeah. what you're doing? You're going through. The, uh, yeah. Good. You know, good Disney order. tells you what order to go in. <laughs> <laughs> Wanda, don't ruin WandaVision for me, Ava, because I'm only two episodes in. Uh, not us, yeah. man. We burned through a WandaVision. <laughs> now, I still don't know what was going on half the time. Guy has a thing in his head right here. I know that matters yeah. a lot. Okay. So anyhow, that's what we got going on. And so uh, I appreciate you bringing that up. Ladies and gentlemen, that is wrapped for another episode of the greatest podcast in the history of mankind ever in the world, Inside the Mind of Miles. Greg Eaton. Tim Miles signing off. Until next time, folks. Hope you enjoyed Mike Boynton, Oklahoma State, Cade Cunningham talk, and everything that went with it. We love you guys, and we'll see you again next week. Thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs>